Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for just the opportunity for the children of God to get together and worship you, Lord. Holy Spirit, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Release your fire. Release, fill us full of your spirit. Give us uh, understanding. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, this question I have up on the screen is a question God, I felt like he asked me early on last week. And, you know, why is God asking a question about where he is? <laughs> but this was a, if you've read about Elijah and Elisha, this was a question that Elisha asked as the successor to Elijah. But when the Lord spoke to me, he said, where is the God of Elijah? And I just, from there I began praying. I began just repeating that question back to the Lord, or like, where is the God of Elijah? Where is the God that, where well, we, we see all these amazing things happen through the ministry, not only of Elijah, but Elisha, his successor, who had a double portion of Elijah's spirit. So I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 2. So Elijah has just, he's about to go to be with the Lord. And there's two men who Scripture talks about that didn't taste death. One of them was Enoch. The second one was Elijah, as far as being taken up to the Lord. Elijah is looked upon in Jewish tradition as the prophet of the prophets. Moses. So who were who the two guys that got to stand with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? Moses, who represented the law, and Elijah, who represented the prophets. Jesus said, I have fulfilled the law and the prophets. And so on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter's like, I've got a great idea. Let's build three tabernacles because all three of y'all are awesome. And the and Father speaks from heaven and he says, this is my beloved son, pointing out Jesus. Listen to him. So Father was distinguishing Jesus as having more authority and being his only begotten son outside of uh, separating himself from Moses and Elijah. But Elijah um, was, he was the prophet of prophets and, and you know, John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. And I believe that there's also, according to Malachi chapter four, that there's gonna be another uh, John the Baptist movement preparing the way for the Lord. So John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus's first coming, right? The announcement of, of Jesus's, hey, the Messiah is here. On the church, I believe there's gonna be a spirit of Elijah on the church as a whole preparing the way for Jesus's second coming. And a few months ago, as, as uh, I was just praying, I, f I felt like the Lord said, pray about the spirit of Elijah. 
Malachi 4 says the spirit of Elijah will come, turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children back to the fathers. So let's read 11 through 15, 2 Kings. As they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot. Now, Elijah, he knows he's about to be taken up and he's telling Elisha, stay back. I'm going up to Bethel. And Elisha's like, no, I'm going with you. He's like, okay, fine. And he says, all right, now stay here. I'm going to Jericho. Elisha says, no. And he says, what do you want from me? He says, I want a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah says, you've asked a hard thing. If somebody has a, um, so David Hogan has a very, very, very strong anointing on his life. And David Hogan, I was thinking about David Hogan. I said, David Hogan has a very large bandwidth to handle suffering. That's part of why he has that anointing on his life. Elijah, did Elijah go through some sufferings? He lived in the wilderness. He was a, I mean, he lived like John the Baptist did, basically. He was persecuted. He had, you know, he basically, he was very similar to Jesus. It didn't talk about him having a home. Didn't have a wife, didn't have a family. You know, so there is, he obeyed the Lord at cost. And so he's, that's why he's asking Elisha, he's like, so you want this life? Okay. He's like, you can have it. That's a hard thing. So he's, he says, if you see me taken up to heaven, you'll get double portion of my anointing. Verse 11, as they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha saw it, saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord? the God of Elijah. And he struck the waters, divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. Earlier, Elijah had taken his mantle before he was taken up, struck the Jordan, separated the waters. Elisha takes Elijah's mantle and does the same thing. Verse 15, now when the sons of the prophets who were, who were at Jericho opposite of him saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rest on Elisha. They came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. So as we were, as I was just talking to the Lord about this, he just, the Lord began to give me these I am statements about who he was for Elijah and who he wants to be for us. And I believe that we're coming, so to come into, for the church to operate in the spirit of Elijah means that we're going to be doing the things that Elijah did, all right? And so we're, I want you, us to look at these things together. So the Lord said, I am the God who confronts Jezebel and her false prophets of Baal that promote sexual perversion 
which include homosexuality, gender reassignment, sex trafficking, fornication, adultery, pedophilia, pornography, and the list can go on. So Jezebel, the, the, the Baal gods that she introduced to Israel were in the Asherah poles were centered around sex, fornication, pervert, sexual immorality. They also did child sacrifice. Jezebel's dad, his name was Eth Baal, and he was the high priest of Baal. And his name means Baal is with me. What, one of the names of Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with me. And so he would, this, this was high-level witchcraft, high-level witchcraft. And, and so Jezebel is operating in this, and then, but this is what we see right now, and I just want to speak just for the USA. It's all over the world, but we're going we're gonna to reference the USA because of our nation it is at a crossroads. But there is, God is raising up people who are going to call what God calls sin, sin, and call God, what God calls righteousness, righteousness. And, you're gonna, and we're going to do it in a spirit of love without compromise. And we're not going to be swayed by, Jesus was called a drunkard, right? He was called demon-possessed. So people try to put labels on him all the time because of what he was doing and the way he was revealing the heart of God. So it goes to stand that when you stand for the Lord, when you stand firm in the faith, when you don't compromise, people are going to throw labels on you that really are not true. You might be called a bigot. You might be called immoral. You might be called evil, religious, full of demons. So that's when you, you got to know who you are. You got to know who your God is and who he says you are. Because none of those people putting labels on you are going to be sitting on the throne when you die. You're going to be standing before the Lord, your Father. It's going to be a good day if you know Jesus. And so years ago I had, I've told this, but I, a co-worker years and years ago was, I was having some conflict with him, and he was saying some lies about me. And the Lord, I had this vision, and I was a little, I was a, little baby, red-skinned, I mean, just born. And the Lord had me against his chest, and I was, he didn't have a shirt on, I was naked, because I just come, you know, came out of the womb, but I had a tattoo on the back of my neck in cursive, and it said Elohim. And Elohim means God the creator and God the judge. And the Lord said, I'm the one who created you, therefore I'm the only one who has the right to judge you. And I've already declared my judgment over you. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's the judgment decree over those in Christ Jesus. 
So God's bringing, I believe God's bringing judgment to Jezebel and any aligned with her, including anybody in the church aligned with Jezebel. Jesus said that Satan has already been judged. When you cooperate with the devil, you get to participate in his fruits and his judgment. When you cooperate with Jesus, you participate with him and the judgment over his life, which is beloved son. It's just that, it's that simple. And so God's releasing fire from heaven that will consume the works of Jezebel. He's exposing the destructive ways of Jezebel and her prophets. And the prophets of, of Baal literally mutilated themselves. So when you see lives that are self-destructing and imploding and they're causing harm and there's just, there's confusion and mayhem and striving directed around, there's no peace. Because when, they, when Elijah had the confrontation with the prophets, 400 prophets of Baal and they were seeing who, which, uh, when they called down fire, whose God was the, was the real true living God, they tried the whole day, and by the end of the day, they started slashing themselves to try to manipulate and force Baal to call down fire. Elijah prayed, fire fell, and then he put to death those prophets. Jezebel came after him, tried to intimidate him, says, by this time tomorrow, you'll be like one of the prophets of Baal, and that's when uh, Elijah fell into fear and despondency. And then the Lord tells him, I have 7,000 prophets who have not bowed the knee to Baal. You're not by yourself. You're not by yourself. And I, I want to tell, tell you in the church, sometimes you feel like, am I the only one that believes this? Or where's our country? I believe that there is a remnant in the United States that sold out for Jesus. They're not going to bow the knee to Baal. And we're, and we're part of that remnant. You have to make the individual choice, but... The awakening, we're, that's where we're headed, by the grace of God, by, with his help. Lord said, I'm the God who does not limp between two opinions. <laughs> this is what, right? So all of Israel is watching the showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And Elijah looks at Israel, he says, how long will you go limping? That's the, that's the literal meaning, go limping between two different opinions. They're like, Baal, Jehovah, Baal, Jehovah, Baal, Jehovah. Who? And he's like, choose, a, choose today. It's me or Baal, it, but just choose. And so right now, what's happening in our country is there is a, we're like, why is there so much division? It, there is a separating. It's part of it is the Lord. And part of it is the strife of man. But you have to have eyes to see and ears to hear. We, we got to ask God for that because there is a separating between Baal and, and the Lord. I am the God that liberates the 7,000 prophets who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And so, like I said, God's raising up prophetic voices to speak to rulers and authorities in high places including pastors and church leaders who have bowed the knee to Baal. Guys, there's the, the New Testament talks about this. Not everybody with Christian on their name bow their knee to Jesus. 
This is why we've been hammering this over the quarantine and, and, and past quarantine is you have to know what the Word of God says. It's not, don't come listen on a Sunday. This is icing on the cake. This is the cherry on top. But you're eating meat and potatoes throughout the week on your own. This is just the cherry on top. This is dessert. You have to know what the Bible says. Okay, he's given us the gift. Megan posted uh, something on Facebook a few weeks ago about some Pakistani believers who just got new Bibles, and it was a party. It was a party. We have, I've got like 10 Bibles at home. They got one, and they're, and they're persecuted in Pakistan. So cherish this. This is, this is more precious than, than gold or silver is what the Bible says. No amount of gold or silver compares to what's within this Bible because this is eternal life. The, the words to eternal life leads you to Jesus. The Lord said, I'm the God that gives Ahab a place to repent of apathy, fear of man, and wickedness. Ahab was Jezebel's husband who was king of Israel, and he was wicked. He said, there is nobody more wicked before Ahab than him. And he led many people astray. But the Lord, Elijah rebuked him, gave him a word about his uh, blood being licked up by dogs. And Ahab humbled himself and repented. And, he, and the Lord said, have you seen how Ahab has repented? And I believe that there's people in our nation who are like Ahab. They may not be the ones pushing evil in our country, but they're complicit with it. They're agreeing with it because they don't want to pay the price. They don't want to have a cost of what it, it, because it's going to cost them to do the right thing. And I believe God is stiffening the spines of Ahab's in our country. And so we need to pray, say, God, where are the, the Ahab's, the people who, who are just kind of, maybe they're being bullied along or maybe they just, they don't have the courage. Lord, stiffen up their spine to stand up and to, and first of all, to repent to you, but to do the right thing. I believe God's doing that in our nation. I had, this was not on my grid whenever the Lord spoke to, that to me. He says, I'm the God who sees the widow and the orphan and supplies their need. So both Elijah and Elisha, part of their ministry, while they're calling down a fire and a pillar of fire <laughs> consumes, they're helping widows and orphans. Both of them raised, were supplied widows their need. One of the, Elijah told the widow that supplied his need, his, su supplied him with food. She, he said, this time next year, you'll be embracing a son. She's like, please don't mess with me. Please don't mess with me. He's like, no, this is the word of the Lord. He comes back. She has a son. Then later on, he dies. He raises the son from the dead. Elisha, the same thing. And so what I believe God is that while there's like war raging in the heavenly places, there's angel battles going on, just like in Daniel talks about the Prince of Persia and Michael battling it out for 21 days over, over uh, Persia. 
that there's these heavenly wars going on in the mean and at the same time God sees the widow and the orphan and he's tenderly wrapping his arms around them and calling this the ministry of heaven and so I believe that there's a foster care and adoption movement that's going to sweep the nation because that's part of the spirit of Elijah that's part of that's part of the Elijah spirit Malachi 4, turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, the hearts of the children back to the fathers. So there's going to be a huge fathering movement. And it's, it's part of the way it's going to manifest is in foster care and adoption. The Lord says, I am the God who avenges innocent blood. Now, Romans 12, 19 so speaking to us, so raise your hand if you're not God. So he tells us who are not God to not take vengeance on our enemies, to leave room for him to do it. So when we're wronged, we bless our enemies. And the Lord blesses us because we bless our enemies, right? But Romans 12, 19, he says, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. So why does the Lord say, leave that up to me? Leave vengeance up to me? Because if I try to take vengeance, Travis is going to get in there some way. I don't have righteous vengeance. But God knows what is just, what is right, and he knows how to execute it perfectly. Okay? And so he says, leave vengeance for him. So I believe that part of the way this is what God is doing. So there's, we have wicked rulers and authorities in our nation. Okay. There's people uh, that are anti-God as far as on a corporate level. I'm not just talking about like a... You can have a, an atheist who's not necessarily trying to stop you from going to church, right? But there's people who want the church to go away. This is who I'm talking about. Wicked rulers and authorities, they're seeking power, they're, greed, they're, they're motivated by greed, by the love of money. They don't care what it costs, if it costs innocent lives, uh, children, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to them because the devil has zero empathy, compassion, mercy, all those things. But what part of my prayer over this 40-day fast has, I've been asking God, Lord, the wicked rulers and authorities, either save them. I, I hope that's first. But if they either save them or reform them, make them change their policies and ways, or three, remove them. Either save them, reform them, or remove them. But they've got, something's got to change. Something's got to change. And God is the one. And so there is, there is innocent blood all over our nation's ground. Not only through abortion, but which is the main way, 60 million babies since Roe versus Wade. But there's also been innocent blood spilled many other ways he says I am the God that gives double portions to firstborn sons and so no matter whether you're uh, 
man or a woman, you have the position of a firstborn son. And so a lot of times when a father would leave the inheritance, you would have, um, so if you had four brothers, normally you would divide that up into quarters. Well, the firstborn son would get half, and then the three others would get a third of the half. That's how they divided up the inheritance back in the day. And so, who was Elijah's firstborn son, so to speak? Elisha, that was his son. So he got a double portion. Who is the firstborn son of God? Jesus. Who, who's, who are we seated with in the heavenly places at the right hand of God? Jesus Christ. Who are we co-heirs with? Jesus Christ. So we've been given the same inheritance, the same portion as Jesus. And I, what I believe is that we're going to see the, the miracles that Elijah saw, but also not only all the guys that were on the Mount of Transfiguration, the things that we saw, that Moses saw, the things that Elijah saw, and the things that Jesus saw, the church is going gonna, is gonna to see those things, not for the sake of like, let's have a signs and, signs and wonders show, guys. It's because there's lost people out there and there's nations that need to be saved and they need to see a Jordan River parted down the middle and walking on dry ground. They need to see somebody raised from the dead because maybe it's a president's son or whatever. I don't know how the Lord is going to work it out and shake it out. But those things are done because as a sign and wonder to do what? To get everybody's gaze from off this earth and do this. To look up. That's what a sign is, to point you to a direction. That's what a wonder is. I wonder why that happens because God's alive. Jesus is alive. It's not for any, man, why are you walking in some strong anointing, man? Woo! It's Nothing wrong with that, but that's not, the, that's not the focus. We want people walking in strong anointing. We want people walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. We want people command, saying with a word, be healed. And people are healed, saying, pick up, you don't even pray, you just say, pick up your mat and walk. And people get up and they're healed. We want that. But it's not to raise up a superstar Christian. It's for somebody to encounter the living God. Uh-oh, Siri's acting up on his. Hi, Dad. Face blowing a kiss emoji. I didn't ask for that. She's too smart for her own good. I can't. All right. He says, I'm the God that turns the heart of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord, people prepared. So part of our commission here at the Awakening is Isaiah 62.10, to go through, go through the gates, clear the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, remove the stones, and lift up a standard over the people. And so... This anointing, the spirit of Elijah, is to turn first the hearts of the fathers to the children, then the hearts of the children to the fathers. 
So what God is, what the spirit of Elijah is, what it's going to look like, it's going to look like families being restored. It's going to look like healthy marriages. It's going to look like families being connected. And I can't tell you, I'm having more opportunity now than ever to, to speak into families' lives than I've ever had before. Like, it's outside of the church, uh, of, of the awakening. And it's, and the Lord told me over quarantine, because I'm just like, God, what do you want, what's my assignment this season? Is it to, like, preach from the top of, uh, you know, the courthouse in Athens and, like, declare the gospel or, you know, what is it, you know, and I'm exaggerating. And so, <laughs> anyways, I'm not going to go down there, uh, but, but the Lord, he's telling me, he was saying, no, if it's family, it's home. Uh, so you want to start at the, at the base level? You want to start at the foundation? And I was like, well, that makes sense, Lord. That kind of sounds like your word. You know, make sure you got a solid foundation built upon the rock so that when the storm comes, the house won't get knocked down. That sounds, you don't build the roof before the foundation, right? And so it looks like dads, first and foremost, on fire for Jesus. Moms on fire for Jesus. Homes. And listen, I'm telling you, what's, it costs you on the front end to make countercultural decisions, that the, ble the blessings are on the back end. It costs you on the front end to do it Jesus' way, and you're like, is this going to work? But I'm, we're, I'm telling you, it's going to work because his, his word proves true. And so when you get and when you when you welcome the Lord into your home, I'm telling I pray over my kids almost every single night, and four out of seven nights I'm like this. Uh, I'm I'm dead tired, and I'm like, all right, uh, let's see. I can't think of any great prayers. Let's turn to Psalm 119. I'm going to pray Psalm 119 because that's got some good stuff in there. But my kids, we've memorized the Lord's Prayer. We've memorized Psalm 23. We've memorized part of Psalm 27, not because they have index flashcards, but because we say it over and over and over again. And so, and there's still things I wish, you know, that we could that we could do that maybe that we're not doing or, or changes that we can make. And, and so it's a, it's a learning process. You don't have all the answers on the front end, but as long as what the Lord does is as long as you're willing to change and be teachable, be moldable, be conformable to his image, he's going to do a mighty work in your family. He's going to do a mighty work in your family. And I was telling a dad the other day that just really didn't have a, an idea or a concept of this. I was like, when, let your children know that you operate by the same standards you're asking them to. And so when you, if you ask them not to pitch a fit and you make them apologize, how many of you all adults pitch fits every now and then? I do. And so when I pitch a fit, this is stop. 
Why are you asking? Stop. Josiah, have I ever done that? <laughs> yes. Josiah, have I ever given you a, a look like this? Yeah. So, you know, no, yeah. So, have I asked you for forgiveness? And so, part of that is to let Josiah know, let the girls know, this is the standard. And out the whole family operates under this. Dad and mom not excluded. And so you own your stuff. You own your stuff, and it communicates such a, um, it helps the kids trust you, and you don't live a hypocritical life, which is what turns many people away from Jesus, right? So God's restoring the family. I want to, uh, if, the, if the worship team will come up, but I, I, I want us to pray this morning. I've got some prayer points. So while they're coming up, I just wanted to share that if anyone um, is interested in foster care or adoption, but you've got roadblocks in the way or you're kind of feeling like it's just not possible, or but it's in your heart, like this is something that you want to do and that's really it. I would love to pray for you this morning, so when we have ministry time, um, it's something that we've been able to walk with people into, into foster care and adoption, and the enemy would love to just get you stuck so that you don't do anything with it. So uh, the thing is, is letting God just blow on that desire and he will make it happen. And so, and as a body, we love walking with families into foster care and adoption. And so we're here to support you with that. So when we have ministry time, if that's something that you guys, um, anybody has in their heart. And even if you're, it's like maybe one day in the future, like it doesn't have to be, it's not like a call to action. I just wanna pray with you. Yeah, so I want us, I want you guys to, I want y'all to pray. So I want you to just divide up into twos. You know, most of y'all came with somebody. So uh, divide up into twos. And we're going to walk through these prayer points and, and, and pray through them. The guys are going to gonna play for us while we're, they're going to be our minstrels. But uh the first thing I want us to do is just to repent if, of any, so you, to have any authority in anything, you have to overcome that thing. And so we pray about sexual immorality and witchcraft and the agreement with abortion to, to be overthrown in our nation. We have to, uh, if we're involved in those things, we, ha we need to repent first, okay? That's the way God restores is we repent and he makes things new. God never asks you to, he never tries to expose you just because he likes putting a guilt trip on you or a condemnation. He exposes things so you can be healed. So you can move on, you can be free. That's why God does those things. So I just want us to take a moment and repent to the Lord of any sexual immorality, any witchcraft, even if you've 
you've been involved with witchcraft unknowingly, just kind of out of ignorance, which is something that happened to me growing up. I, I played with a Ouija board. I got my, I got my palm red just because I, ignorant. I wasn't living for Jesus, but I just was like, oh, this, is, this doesn't really have any spiritual bearing. I repented to the Lord of those things. But if a Ouija board, palm reading, tarot card reading, uh, anything where you, you've cast a spell, anything along those lines, repent, and the Lord will heal you. He'll forgive you. Any sexual immorality that you're involved in, fornication, pornography, anything along those lines, repent. And then if you have... If you're in agreement with abortion that it's a woman's choice and not murder, just repent of that as well. We've, we have friends that have walked through this where they've, they've uh, committed an abortion in the past. And the Lord is, he, he's tender. If, you, if you, you see the error of that, you see that that was wrong, he wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. He wants to love on you and bring you back to heal that place because that damages your heart too. That damages your heart. So let's take a moment and just pray.